You're listening to the HR Happy Hour Show with hosts Steve Bowes and Trish McFarlane. Since 2009, the HR Happy Hour Show has been bringing you thought leaders, workplace and technology experts, academics, and more to take on the most important and interesting topics impacting work, human resources, technology, and the workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net. Welcome back to the HR Happy Hour Show. My name's Steve Those Great to be with you today. I am joined by, of course, Trish McFarland. Trish, what's happening today? Not a lot, actually. And I know you hate that answer, but <laughs> I, I don't believe that. you. I believe there's plenty happening. By no, the way. Here's, here's why. It's it's a little earlier in the day. And it so I, I'm going to, it's a good thing. It's been a little quiet. I actually had a chance to have a cup of coffee, which I have right here in my hand. So um, no, so not a lot, and that's good. That's a good thing. Well, that's um, great. That's yeah. great. Yeah, it's a little earlier. That's fine. You know, it's good. Get the you knocking off the happy hour show uh, in the morning, which is fun. We had a super topic today, a really interesting one, which I confess uh, to not knowing too much about, and I'm excited to learn more about. So uh, we will get to our guest here in a minute, who's waiting in the wings. A um, couple of quick updates. We boy, we just posted a show. Um, Last week uh, with Ben Brooks, our pal from Pilot Coaching, right. which uh, I encourage you to dig back in the archives and listen to, it was one of our more, I don't know, Trish, exploratory kinds of shows, almost a confessional show. It was interesting. I liked it. It was. I think that, um, you know, for listeners, if they want to get to know you a little bit better, it was certainly a little insightful there. So, you know what? I think the thing that's really great about not just Ben Brooks himself, but the company that he started, Pilot, um, he's, he has a knack for making people comfortable to be themselves and to be very open about their work habits and work styles and things like that and coachability and whatnot. So it was a really valuable show, but then also obviously he, um, you know, has created a really valuable product as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Check that one out for sure, as well as anything back in the archive. We're doing uh, just tons of great stuff on the HR Happy Hour show this year, as well as the, and the Alexa show, too. I'll mention, Trish, I recorded one as um, as we speak today. I guess it ran. Uh, it did. It's really interesting. I don't want to give it away, but it was really good. So check it out in your Amazon Alexa device. Just add the HR Happy Hour skill to your Alexa app. And finally, if you have an idea for a show, a topic, a guest, you want to be a guest, uh, you'd like to come in and enter the confessional with Trish and myself, uh, you can you can tweet us at HR Happy Hour or connect to us through our new and improved website at hrhappyhour.net. All right. I think that's it for announcements, Trish. Let's get on with the show. Great. We have a super guest today. Her name is Holly Bertone, and she is the number one Amazon.com bestselling author of the book, Thriving in the Workplace with Autoimmune Disease, Know Your Rights, Resolve Conflict, and Reduce Stress, the first book ever to educate others on autoimmune disease as a legal disability in the U.S. workplace. She's a highly sought-after speaker and wellness expert. She is currently the president and CEO of Pink Fortitude, LLC, and founder of Fortitude Academy and the health and wellness website pinkfortitude.com, where she transforms lives for women with chronic illness at home and at work. Holly, welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. How are you today? Hello, Stephen and Trish. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. 
Yeah, great to have you. This is a really interesting topic, Holly, and I confess to not knowing too much about it, uh, which I'm excited to learn more, as I said at the top. Um, maybe you can just, we'll start off simply, right? Tell us a little bit more about you, of course, maybe a little bit beyond the bio. And I read a lot of the stuff on the website, too. There's a lot more to you than just just the short bio. But And then we'll get into uh, the, the topic of autoimmune disease in the workplace. Oh, sure thing. And and I know we're going to, you know, talk a little bit more about my my story of how I got here, but in terms of background, I spent the first 10 years of my career in human resources predominantly as a recruiter and then transferred into oh, project wow. management. And just as a fun aside, when I was in college, it was my life dream to work in human resources for Hershey Foods Corporation. Cool. And this was back before computers and internet and I sent letters and resumes, and I literally just showed up on the doorstep of the HR manager. I think she thought I was stalking her, and <laughs> she either was fearing for her life or, you know, was just felt sorry for me or saw some drive and ambition and gave me my first internship in human resources, and I worked at the Reese's plant where they make Reese's peanut butter cups and Kit Kats. Oh, that is a great nice. story. What what would yeah. ever make yeah. you leave that? I feel like that's like the dream job of a chocolate. <laughs> oh, I know, right? And it was an unpaid internship, but I could eat all the chocolate I wanted. So win win for oh, a college student. My goodness, I bet you know what? I, in in all seriousness, I bet you learned a lot. I mean, having it, you know, be in a manufacturing setting, being in a plant, but also being a brand that you love. I mean, did you, did that really sort of like? set you up for any of your, you know, sort of future positions after that by having done that type of an internship? Oh, absolutely. And it wasn't just what I learned, but the fact that, you know, I had to get scrappy to get it. And that's really, you know, helped me throughout my career as well. Holly, but, thanks um, for that. Anyway, that yeah, sounds really so, cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, just one more thing oh, on this. Yeah, yeah. So, when you walked around the offices there, were there like, you know, Reese's around just, you know, kind of at the ready, just oh, grab everywhere. some? Yeah. <laughs> yes, nice. everywhere. You yeah. know what? The rule was you couldn't take it that. outside, but you could you could eat as much as you wanted in there. So yeah, it was great. <laughs> I wonder though if people really do. Like it's probably pretty novel when you're first hired, but then after that, do you find that people are just kind of like, eh, there it is, you know? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My my equivalent to that is a hundred years ago, and maybe I've told this story before, but a hundred years ago, I was working on a project um, at Philip Morris Company down in Virginia. Oh, wow. I guess they were. And this is back, this is old, right? It's, 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 as you like to remind me, Trish, I'm an old dude. The uh, Instead of like the Reese's Pieces, right, uh, on every table in every conference room, at, at Philip Morris, there was like huge uh, Lazy Susans full of like Lucky Strikes and oh, wow. Parliaments, whatever else they made everywhere, oh, wow. Marlboros. Yeah, it was awful. Oh, my goodness. Awful. And I think they had the same rule. You could smoke as many as you wanted there. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't scoop them up and take them home. Ugh. That'd be that's not a great that's, that's not a great uh, story for a wellness show either. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> maybe think of it. Holly, uh, yeah, you, let's let's yeah. let's talk about. I don't think probably you decided like while you were like kind of working at Hershey and eating Reese's pieces that like this idea of hey I want, I'm I'm focusing here on autoimmune disease in the workplace like that. How did you get to there? What what I mean, maybe we don't need every step of the journey, but that's a big leap. It seems to me like what led you to uh, this topic, writing your book and, and uh, taking on this issue uh, of autoimmune disease in the workplace? Oh, absolutely. So I had 10 years in human resources, predominantly as a recruiter. I transitioned to project management and ended up working for one of those three letter agencies that they make TV shows about. 
And when I was there, I was hired in as the chief of staff of one of the national security programs. So it was, um, you know, almost one of the highest positions you could get before getting into executive management. And kind of simultaneously, I got married. I inherited a very young stepson and I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So that, um, right. Yeah. So everything just kind of happened at once. And, um, you know, my management was actually very accommodating when I had breast cancer and I went through surgery, chemo, radiation. And a year later, I was still after even I you know, was supposed to be recovered. I was still really, really sick. So I took a step down. I just couldn't handle the you know, high powered management position with, you know, still being sick and a new family and everything. And I ended up being diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune disease. So, um, and I don't know if you want to get into now or later, you know, my story of, of discrimination in in the workplace, but it was pretty much the, the blend of human resources, project management and autoimmune disease. And and it was just the perfect blend that, that brought me to this place to be able to, to be a leader of this movement. Yeah. Holly, that's interesting. And I do want to dive into that, but maybe we could just quick reset or, or just level set about just what is autoimmune disease, right? I, I'm not familiar with that specific disease that you mentioned, and, and I'm not even sure I, I get what, I've heard the term, of course, but, and I feel awful all the time, but I don't really know what what we're talking about here with autoimmune disease. Maybe you could kind of level set us. And you know what? I'm glad you said that because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that feel the same way, and that's completely acceptable, and that's why I do what I do. Sure. And autoimmune disease, in a nutshell, you're um, your immune system basically attacks itself. Your body attacks itself. And, you know, you've probably heard of uh, fibromyalgia, lupus, multiple sclerosis, Hashimoto's, rheumatoid arthritis, Graves' disease, Crohn's disease. Those are all different autoimmune conditions. Okay. It affects between 50 and 54 million Americans, which is just under 20% of the population. Now, the interesting aside to this is that approximately 75 to even 80 percent of those who are diagnosed are women. And Mm -hmm. the the onset is mostly in their 30s and 40s. So you have women in their 30s and 40s who are in their prime years of building their careers, climbing the corporate ladder. And also getting married, starting families, and then dealing with, uh, you know, you know, a very life-altering disease. And this doesn't even count the people that are suffering but haven't been diagnosed. Sometimes it takes five to eight different doctors, trips, specialists to even get diagnosed. I think what's really surprising to me is how many of those you know, conditions people would recognize, or, or maybe if they don't have something or aware that they do, they, they probably know someone who has at least one of those things, but to your earlier point, may not even understand that that is an, a type of autoimmune disease, right? And that that is something that, that could be protected in the workplace. You might just think, well, it's a condition you have, right? So very, exactly. And, and, and I actually, I like to call it the blind spot because Individuals who have autoimmune diseases typically do not see themselves as disabled. And in doing so, they don't understand that they have legal rights under the ADA. And also employers, you know, kind of the same thing, don't understand 
about autoimmune disease, um, you know, that it's that it's very unpredictable, that the flare-ups can be, you can look totally fine one day and be really sick the next day. And, you know, I'll oftentimes see the employees as, you know, maybe lazy or faking it. Um, you know, that's what we get a lot. So it's, hmm. it's, and it's an education issue. It's not that, that anyone's being, you know, nefarious or anything. It's just, it's just an education issue. It, it, it's has some parallels, I think, to a topic we've talked about uh, some on the show in the last year and a half, which are some of the mental illness challenges, right, that are exactly. uh, happening uh, on, a, you know, with many people in the workplace as well, that, that it's not a real, not a real thing, if you will, right? It's, it's, it's um, uh, not, not a legitimate kind of uh, a medical condition. That's interesting. So, Holly, you talked about um, your experience with discrimination in the workplace. I, I'd love maybe to talk about that a little bit more. How, whether it's your personal kind of experience with being uh, feeling discriminated in the workplace after your diagnosis of, uh, of autoimmune disease, or just in general, what tends to happen to people, um, uh, employees who are dealing with these kinds of issues? Oh, sure thing. And, you know, I was the quintessential overachiever in my career. So when all of this hit and happened, I mean, it, it leveled me. I mean, it absolutely broke me to the core. But, um, you know, I was experiencing a flare up and a lot of times the flare up and I like to use the hangover example, if I can say that on the podcast, is <laughs> if you think back to your and everyone is different. Everyone's flare up is different. Everyone's condition is different. But the two main um, symptoms that occur are chronic fatigue and chronic pain, along with migraines and a lot of IBS and, and kind of bathroom issues. But chronic fatigue and chronic pain pain are two of the biggest ones. And I liken it to people think, oh, I'm tired. I, you know, my baby was up last night or I didn't sleep good or whatever. It's, it's not, oh, I'm just a little tired. It feels like if you were out drinking, think back to your college days, you know, if you're out drinking all night and, you know, partying and whatever, and you wake up the next day and, you know, you kind of feel that hangover and you have to get up and work and you're like, oh, I feel like crap. That's what having chronic fatigue feels like only without the partying, without the fun, <laughs> without you know, the fun you're, part, you're eating right. healthy, right? Exactly. You're eating healthy. You're in bed at eight or nine o'clock at night. You're getting a full eight, nine hours of sleep and you're waking up feeling like you hadn't slept a minute. So, and it's chronic. So that's, that's kind of what we're dealing with in terms of when I say chronic fatigue, that that's really the best way that I can explain it. The people that okay. don't know what it is, that that's how it feels like. And I was having a really bad flare-up a couple years ago. And up until this point, everything was manageable. I had early hours, which were great for me. I was able to come home, take a nap, and then you know be with my family and do all the family commitments at night. Uh, we had a new management team that came in at the same time that I was having a flare-up. And obviously, stress is one of those things that exasperates any kind of autoimmune condition. Uh, regardless of what it is, stress is always going to make it worse. And I fortunately had the paperwork filled out. Um, I had FMLA, but I was going to IV treatments just because my flare up was so bad. I mean, I was at the point where I was almost getting ready to go to the hospital for a, a long stay. And the new management team came in, wanted nothing to do with me being out of the office to go to the IV treatments and actually rescinded the FMLA. They said wow. that I was, you know, lazy and faking it, drink, you know, drink coffee, take a pill. I heard it Oh, it was horrible. And, you know, here I am, I'm trying to be productive. I'm trying to work. I'm trying to keep my job and I'm trying to, you know, balance being really, really sick at the same time. 
You know, I think it's it's such a, a sad situation that you're describing, but I think that the listeners, probably unfortunately, will definitely have similar stories in their careers that they can relate to, if not an autoimmune issue, um, which possibly they do have. It, you know, there are definitely um, many times where our employers discriminate us against, against us in, in little ways, even, where you feel like, you know, it's those little comments, right, about you being lazy or... Um, yeah, drink some coffee or, you know, or even maybe what is being said behind the employee's back, maybe not even directly to the employee, right? Well, that person just, you know, they're just trying not to work hard or, to, you know, to slough off their responsibilities. So what kind of it? Oh, yeah. And, and, and I was I was making a six figure income and we live in the D.C. metro area. So, you know, basically we went from, you know, we cut our salary, our entire household, you know, income in half overnight. And it was devastating. It was absolutely devastating to our family. I mean, they they gave me no choice. I had to resign. I, they they blocked any ways to um, try to transfer out. I mean, the, and the boss, the new the new management team. I mean, they were bullies. You know, it wasn't systemic in the in the corporation. It was just you know it was just bullies. But um, you know, but at the same time, I kept thinking, if this is happening to me, it's happening to other people. You know, especially with those kind of statistics and those those staggering numbers of individuals with autoimmune disease and you know, and honestly, it just takes a few simple accommodations where people can be productive. And, you know, and, and there was another example, um, a member of our uh, Pink Fortitude tribe, she has, she has lupus. And, you know, for me, the early hours were my best product, productive hours so I could come home and take a nap. For her, it was later in the day. It took her several hours to get up and moving. And, you know, so her best productivity hours were later in the day. And she had actually called in sick. She's like, I'm trying, I'm going to try to make it, you know, in, in a little bit. She was experiencing a flare up that morning. So for her getting up, moving around, taking a walk was how she kind of got out of that, you know, flare up and that made her feel better. So everyone is different. Well, someone drove past her walking and, you know, reported her and she got fired because, you know, she was taking a walk, trying to get healthy to come in later that day. And, you know, because of the flare up. So it, it's just a lot of misunderstanding. And that's, you know, that's why I'm here. Well, for for the employers, what are things that, whether it's the human resources professionals, or, you know, maybe a line manager, for example, or even a colleague, what are some of the things that you recommend for them to be doing to be more proactive about this? Because I think sometimes, you know, having worked in HR for a long time myself, I think sometimes managers or even colleagues might feel like something is off with a person, but because of privacy issues or just there's so much fear, I think, nowadays about asking someone about maybe a medical situation so they don't. What, what have you found to be kind of that balance between what an employer can do to sort of be proactive maybe with an employee, but still not um, you know, push any boundaries from a legal perspective? Oh, right. Absolutely. And, you know, and unless an employee discloses, there's not a lot that that you can do. But I think a lot of empathy and understanding. I mean, if they're taking a lot of sick days and they don't have anything documented, you know, just, you know, to say, what can we do to to help make things better for you? What can we do to help, you know, help you better support you in the workplace? Those are open ended questions that can start the dialogue without violating those privacy rights. And, you know, and, and empathy and understanding, I think, is, is absolutely number one 
especially on the line manager side, because a lot of times this gets pushed under the carpet at the line manager level and it doesn't even get escalated to human resources. So, you know, for human resources to have that understanding and to be able to train, you know, their their managers, but even reasonable accommodations, you know, if if someone with a visible disability walks into your office, it's, you know, you're 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 intuitive. You're like, okay, I I know what I can do to support this person. Someone with an autoimmune disease, they're like, well, I have I'm experiencing a flare-up and I don't feel well. You don't know what to to do with that. And mm-hmm. some really easy, easy, reasonable accommodations, the, the front line are flexible hours and the, you know, maybe even different kinds of breaks and the ability to work from home. And, you know, for flexible hours, everyone is different. So, for example, you know, someone might wake up, have their biggest energy surge at the beginning of the day and then just kind of peter out as the day goes versus someone like, you know, the other the other person I was talking about who doesn't get their energy until later in the day. So those flexible hours are key because that way the employee can be productive during the at work during the, their most productive hours of the day. And you know, things like with with break time, if you're requiring your employees to take an hour lunch, your employee with autoimmune disease, you know, may need more frequent breaks. So to be able to break that hour lunch up into you know, let's say it's a 20 minute lunch and then they get, you know, breaks divided up for the rest of the day. Things like that are sound pretty simple, but are going to be huge in terms of increasing productivity with your employee with autoimmune disease. And, you know, and the other one obviously is, is working from home. You know, if, if someone's having a flare up, they're going to be calling off sick. And if someone's having autoimmune disease, if they have an autoimmune disease, they, they experience flare ups, they're going to be having some sick days and their sick leave is probably going to be close to exhausted to begin with. So the ability to work from home, and even though we're in a day and age where the telecommuting is is more common than not, you know, sometimes it is a barrier, but to be able to say, hey, you know what, I can put in four hours, six hours on my laptop working in bed versus taking an entire sick day. You know, even if they're at it's 75% productivity that day because they're not feeling that great, but they're like, hey, I could stay in bed. I can work on my laptop. I can get some work done. That's better than taking an entire day off. So that's what, I mean, that's a win-win for everyone. It's a win for the organization. It's a win for the employee. Holly, those are great uh, tips and, and just just common sense tips, honestly, quite frankly, that I think would be, should be uh, pretty simple and easy for whether it's HR leaders, line managers, et cetera, to, to implement. I, you, you shared some of your own story and the story of some folks you know who, who ran into situations where those accommodations kind of were not available uh, or weren't even thought about. What are some of the barriers maybe that you're finding um, as you work with folks, uh, so many millions of folks, right, who have this, uh, these conditions? What are some of the barriers you're hearing about in workplaces that are are stopping or at least slowing down organizations for being open to or willing to make these accommodations. What sort of gets in the way? I guess is what I'm what I'm wondering. Well, I mean, like I said before, I think a lot of it is just you know that the judgment of an invisible illness from the employer side, the employee not knowing that they are legally covered under the ADA, that they can ask for reasonable accommodations. And, you know, the employer not being able to see past the fact that this person is, you know, taking off all the time or, you know, is sick all the time and the, the unpredictability, too, of, of an auto. I mean, you can be fine for days, weeks, months and then all of a sudden have a flare up out of nowhere. 
Mm-hmm. And the other thing too, which is, which is really interesting and that people don't think about is that, you know, any kind of stressor will typically cause a flare up. So things like vacation, birthdays, holidays, you know, employees need to, you know, kind of with autoimmune disease need to be a little more proactive and plan that time. Like, let's say they have off a few days for the holidays. They're going to need to take an extra day to recover versus trying to make it back to work and call off sick. So they, you know, need to be a little more proactive knowing that, you know, hey, if I'm going to exert some effort and, you know, I I may need an extra day that I'm going to plan ahead of time versus calling off sick and employers understanding that, this isn't a pattern of bad behavior. This is just how flare-ups happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you talk about that pattern of bad behavior, too. Um, Steve and I recently went to a people analytics conference. And one of the, I think, aha moments was as we were thinking about many of the ways that human resource professionals ma- like manage and measure the people in an organization, it's, it's sort of a punitive thing, right? So if we're managing and, and monitoring someone's sick days and looking for those kinds of trends, you know, we're not addressing it until it's a problem. So I think part of it too is maybe just that different mindset in general for HR leaders, especially to start thinking about, you know, when you see those kinds of things happening, instead of thinking, what is this person doing wrong, right? From a performance perspective, considering that there could be a medical reason as well. Um, Because I don't know in my career that I've had many instances with, you know, all of the HR professionals I've worked with. I don't know that that was ever something that was top of mind. If we had someone that was truly, you know, exhausting their sick days, if they didn't mention that they had an illness, um, it was just sort of assumed this is probably not the right job for them. Um, unfortunately. Exactly. And, and, yeah. you know, and there's, there's always going to be a few bad apples, but I, I truly believe in my heart that the majority of the people out there, you know, they want to be productive. They want to work, you know, really hard for the organization. They want to contribute to the mission and, you know, just a few accommodations and a little bit of understanding goes a long way to increasing productivity, increasing, you know, morale, and then also decreasing turnover. And not having to, you know, fire that person and, you know, have to, to, to spend all that money, time and resources to train and hire someone new. Yeah. And I would think in this time, right, still uh, really tight labor markets pretty much across the country, pretty much every industry, pretty much every size of business, you name it, right, uh, that organizations would really um, want to take these steps and take these uh, make these accommodations just to just to keep people that that are experienced, that are productive, that are valuable, et cetera, right? It's so difficult to find people. We hear that all the time, right? Or what the job is. It's hard to find new people. And it's expensive too, right? It just uh, doesn't make good business sense as well. Exactly. Holly, one last thing I, I have for me is, is just what would you recommend to someone maybe listening to the show who might be dealing with one of these diseases themselves as an employee, say? Um and maybe struggling a little bit and maybe at an employer that that's not, maybe they haven't opened up to their employer yet completely or fully, or, or maybe they're feeling like uh, afraid to, or what do you sort of advise people who are going through some of these conditions themselves in the workplace? Uh, what do you tell them? So I think first is use your best judgment. We all have had, I, I think every single one of us has been in a position in our career where we have had the best, most supportive leaders in management and we've also worked for a few jerks. So, you know, I think the, the first is to, you know, use your best judgment and assess the situation. 
you know, number two is to become educated. I mean, that's that's why I created the training courses mm -hmm. for employers and employees both to provide that education to say, you know, you have legal rights. Here's here's a systematic approach to, you know, going through this process of, you know, I have I have an autoimmune disease. I'm working. I'm trying to be productive. Should I disclose? Should I not disclose? What should I do? What forms do I need to fill out? What's the process? You know, how am I protected? And, you know, to really educate themselves on what is out there for them. When, when I was going through this, I felt so alone because I did not realize, and even coming from an HR background, I did not realize that I had rights and that I had resources av available to me. So, you know, that's, that's why, that's why I'm on the show is to provide that education. But, mm -hmm. you know, at the same time, you know, you, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. So once you disclose, you disclose, right? It's, it's, you know, it's, it's always a big question mark and it's always a judgment call. But once you disclose, you know, you are now provided those legal rights, which, yeah. which is, is comforting. And you know what, I'm so glad that you're, you're encouraging people on, you know, what they can do when they have one. You mentioned um, not only about the, you know, millions and millions of people that, that know they have these, you, you sort of alluded to the fact that there are probably millions more who don't yet know they're, they're undiagnosed at this point. Do you have any advice if you're someone who maybe doesn't know, maybe you're a little suspicious, you're listening to this show now and you're thinking, okay, maybe, you know, maybe this is me. I'm, I am chronically fatigued or I have some of these, you know, pain issues. Um, as someone who's been through it, what, what are sort of their first steps to, to get diagnosis for themselves and to start educating themselves about a potential disease? So it took me about a year to finally get diagnosed. And from all the statistics that I've seen and everyone that I've spoken with, it typically takes between five and eight, potentially even more doctor's appointments and specialists to finally get diagnosed. So if you are thinking something's a little bit off and you know you go to your doctor and I'm going to say 75% are women, so I'm just going to speak to the women right now, but they say, oh, well, you know, you, you've got kids at home and you're just tired or you're in perimenopause or, you know, it's hormonal. That's, that's the first line that the doctors give you and just keep pushing for answers. And we all have that inner voice. We all have that gut instinct. You know, when something's wrong, you know, when something's off. So keep fighting for answers. Don't just accept, no, it's hormonal or just don't accept your doctor kind of blowing you off. Keep fighting for answers. Go to a different doctor. You know, go to multiple doctors if you have to. See non-traditional practitioners if you have to. I mean, just keep fighting for answers because if you feel something is really wrong with you, you need to you need to have those answers. Thank you for for sharing that. You know, it's interesting. We we mentioned a, a coaching show we did just earlier this week, and some of the similar themes I think are are coming up today in this show where. You know, there there are definitely things, especially as you age, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, people in their 30s and 40s are the ones who start sort of seeing these type of symptoms, male and female. Um, sometimes we're not ready to admit to ourselves when we have, whether it's a performance issue for real or whether it is some sort of a, a medical issue. So I think, too, that might play into whether or not someone is willing to to sort of be open to a diagnosis. Um but again, absolutely. That's, absolutely. That's and, and we always, we always try to, 
I'm sorry. I was going to say, we always try to take care of other people too. So taking care of ourselves is, you know, usually the last on the list of what we do. That's a really good point, Holly. Someone very smart told me that very recently. And I I echo that, that, that uh, point of view. Well, it's, it's interesting. I um, was, you know, it's, it's almost Oscar season, which is my favorite movie time of year, but (laughs) I I was reading an article um, and Steve will probably make fun of me about who who these quotes come from, but and I don't have the exact quote, but I'll give you the gist of it. So um, it was about the movie Judy, and Renee Zellweger is is playing Judy Garland in the movie, and you know they were asking her about how she sort of disappeared, if you will, from you know um, from the scene for a couple of years, and she said basically that she was taking care of herself because um, Selma Hayek, who is a friend of hers, had given her the advice that you know, roses don't bloom all year. But yet, mm-hmm. here was Renee trying to be in every single, you know, movie that was offered to her and every opportunity. And I think, you know, it just really spoke to me very, very loudly this week when I read that, because I thought, you know, that's a lot of us. If you're, you were describing yourself even as a very hard charging kind of, you know, worker, um, many people are. And I think it's, it's interesting that we try to be so, so, just involved and taking on more and more. And yeah, if it's, if it's something like an autoimmune disease, especially where stress exacerbates it, you know, we're really not doing anyone any favor by not getting checked out, um, by finding out, but it's also very scary. I think to take care of ourselves sometimes it's a scary thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Holly, um, this has been fascinating, uh, conversation and educational for me too. I love Trish. You said this the other day. I love doing the shows where I learned something. I mean, you said that about you, but I'm saying that about me. Like, um, uh, this has been really educational for me too. And, and Holly, what I'd like to do, maybe wrap with this, is maybe talk a little bit about what's happening at Pink Fortitude and some of the um, resources and um, information that you've got there. What's coming up? Uh, what's available both for individuals who might be dealing with these um, conditions, as well as employers, and how they can best support their people who are dealing with those conditions. Maybe just give us a little bit of uh, uh, an update, and maybe a preview about what's coming up at Pink Fortitude. Oh, absolutely. We have a, a workplace wellness portal with uh, lots of great resources, and actually just putting the finishing touches on two training courses, one for employers, one for employees, autoimmune disease in the workplace, responsibilities and disability awareness for employers, and an employee's guide to managing autoimmune disease in the workplace. It's been uh, about 18 months in the making. I collaborated with EEOC. I collaborated with the Job Accommodation Network and also a prominent uh, employment disability attorney to mm-hmm. make it all happen. So I'm excited to, to be able to give these resources to individuals, to, to provide these resources to individuals and employers both. Um, you know, to, to really help eliminate that blind spot and to, you know, to keep the advocacy going. Great. Great. Okay. And we'll absolutely share uh, the links and the information to these resources in the show notes, as well as to the book. And, and, and uh, yeah, I, I spent some time on the website this morning, Holly, a great, great uh, job there. So it looks really cool. And, uh, but also really, oh, really you. valuable and educational and uh, lots of good stuff out there for people. Um, yeah, this has been a really interesting conversation. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. And, and, you know, thank you for giving, giving the voice to, to those that, that don't have a voice that they now have the information and they can be armed and be more productive. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely.
All right, good. So this is we've been talking to Holly Bertone from Pink Fortitude. And again, we'll provide links to all of her resources and information at Pink Fortitude in the show notes as well. And hope you guys found this as interesting as I did. Trish, I learned a ton on the show, maybe more than I've learned on a show in months. That's good. No, and, and you're right. I think that's always the thing, right? If, if we are the learners, um, I can only imagine that the audience listening is also hopefully taking away some few key points, if not for themselves and their own health issues, maybe for a spouse or loved one or partner, um, friend, you know, something where Colleague, yeah, absolutely. We've, we've probably all know people who are maybe struggling with some of these very things. So if nothing more than just being a, um, a person who's more open um, and, and sort of giving them the benefit of the doubt or pointing them, you know, to the, the pinkfortitude.com and, and getting educated. I think it's all, uh, all good takeaways from today's yeah. show. Great stuff. Great stuff. All right, Trish, I think uh, let's put a bow on it. Any last words from you or, or before I send us on our way? No, just everyone have a good rest of your week. All right. Thank you. So for our guest, Holly Bertone, for Trish McFarlane, my name is Steve Bose. Thank you so much for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, thanks again. We will see you next time. And bye for now. Thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show, your source for information and conversation on work, the workplace, technology, and more. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net.